Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so on the week lit up by cheap defenders, sometimes off the bench for many, and while the Leicester juggernaut trundles on, we're back to reflect on the games just gone and ask some key questions ahead of the final matchup in this block before the international break uh, again ensues. And for once, I had a good week, uh, so I'm well up for it this time. Yeah, anyway, um, so I'm joined today not just by Nick, but also by Luke Jurdy, um, at Luke Jurdy on Twitter. His podcast is Triple Captains, at Triple Captain Free, and he's better known to my other half as Jesse Donovan from Hollyoaks. Uh, welcome, mate. It's uh, great to have you on and for those of you who haven't seen the travails between Darcy, Goldie and finally now your coming wedding to a Courtney, uh, please introduce yourself to the good people, um, maybe more from the FPL angle because I think the Venn diagram of FPL managers and Hollyoaks viewers probably includes <laughs> me and a few others. <laughs> I just want to say yeah. my other half loves it, we've got one TV free room so I'm compelled to watch it and of course equally love it. Um, but yeah anyway, great to have you on Luke, uh, just introduce yourself to the good people. Thanks for having me. Um, really appreciate it, and a, and a lovely introduction. Um, yeah, I think you and um, and Bully's uh, wife from uh, FPL Surgery are so. You and Bully are about the only FPL Hollyoaks fans crossover. Um, but it's a great group to be a part of. Um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I basically yeah, I'm an actor um, with kind of un- unhealthy obsession with FPL, like like the rest of us and um, started to really take it seriously last year, uh, last season, managed to finish in the top 10K. And, um, and then a, a friend of mine uh, came to me in, in pre-season and said, do you want to do, do a podcast? So I said, yeah, why not? We'll join, join the community. And there's, there's so many good pods out there already. Um, so uh, really enjoying speaking about FPL every week and, um, and, and watching match of the day and, much football as possible really enjoyable considering um i'm a united fan so that's not that's not so enjoyable this season so it's nice to have fpl to to support kind of other players as well um and yeah started um triple captain this year just just trying to build build listeners and um enjoying the process 
Yeah, welcome again, Luke. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the pod uh, today to discuss uh, FPL. So yeah, just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGJ underscore FPL or WGJ underscore Nick. And um, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you'd like to to get the podcast and uh, give us a review if you've got time as well, because uh, we want to get rid of those rubbish reviews that people have given us. <laughs> so, so what are we talking about today? Well, um, following on from, uh, I think, last week's chat about the season-long men, uh, this weekend's events have really uh, worked well in terms of highlighting how the men around the peripheries, you know, the killer to the filler, um, no, the filler to the killer, I suppose I should say, are the boys who at the moment um, are are the ones we should be looking at because at the end of the day, it seems like there's loads of guys, although, you know, Sterling maybe is in the uh, influx at the moment as being a season keeper, um, who we're going to be relying on going forward. So I I think it was definitely worth turning the spotlight on them and kind of the impact they're having on things like you know formations and how we're setting up our teams also of course we've got the features and many many questions from the community so thanks as always for those yeah sounds good tom so uh, shall we start then with the game week reviews and uh, tom do you want to start for a change because uh, you actually had a pretty damn decent game week and a little bit of luck if i dare say as well in, uh, in the leicester game yeah well um, i mean i think the fact that you said that um, you actually had a good game week says it all the use the word actually there um yeah i did do well actually yeah <laughs> i said it myself uh, 84 points uh, minus four um, yeah, and I got Soyuncu off the bench because Mendy got pepped. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, I was pretty pleased. I mean, the captain, my captain Sterling, did, got me two points. And it's very unusual to get 80 plus when your captain does nothing, right? And I said to FPL Dave when I streamed last week that my formation is basically a 0-7-3 because Mendy and TAA are basically, you know, wide midfielders. Lindstrand is not a defender. He's so not a defender. In fact, it's embarrassing. So, you know, 84 points from a team of, you know, seven midfielders and three strikers. I'll take it. Uh, I took him on four. Um, Mope and Mane came in for Wilson and Son. It was a successful one, actually. I uh, got 14 points and Son, unfortunately, got sent off. And Wilson uh, got yellow cards. So that was 11 points. Take the four away. It's still seven profits. So, hooray, go me. Uh, wish Gomez the very best, of course, with that Son red card. And Mane, um, Liverpool's clutch player, came in. I sung his praise on last week's Pod and I just had to bring him in. And Mo Page looks to have been unlucky. I and mean, he was 1.06 this week. So he was the big underperformer, no goal, and he could easily be gone, actually, despite the easy game this weekend against United, uh, Luke. I guess this week it all relied on J- Jimmy beating out Vardy, um, which he did. Um, but being without Vardy and Leicester was frightening. I'm trying to think about how I get in Vardy this week. Um, what, about, what about you, Luke, then? Uh, how, how did you get on? Uh, I did all right as well, actually. It was it's nice to uh, nice to get a green arrow after after a couple of reds, um, and uh, so I got seventy two with captain fail Sterling as well. So I was like you, kind of very surprised that with a captain fail to get to get that many points. And I think I think if a lot of us actually get our captain choice right we could be dangerous um i think each week when i've been getting it wrong i've still been doing okay and kind of hitting the average and that so Mm. i was was getting it right every week um so it's a bit disappointing now i mean all of my midfield got two uh, (laughs) de bruyne sterling son and martial um i brought in i brought in martial and bardi for aguero and campwell so i think still managed to get I mean did Campbell play I think he got I think he got one point he got one point so I think I've made made a point on that on those moves I had two frees um, I just badly wanted to get rid of Aguero I didn't care if he scored five against Southampton it's just 
really, really annoyingly uh, <laughs> benched like three of the last four games. I just think I just can't be doing with that anymore. I've got Vardy in. He's nailed on. He's, he's, he's the player of the season so far. So I'm happy with him. Um, and yeah, I had uh, Soyuncu and Lundstrom in my team. So um, that was great. TAA got seven, Abraham 12, Vardy six, uh, and then 15 Pope two each. So, so yeah, I'm up to kind of, I think, about 350k overall, which I'd have probably taken at the start of the season if someone offered me that by, by game week 11. So uh, I'm, I'm pleased. It's, it's nice to get a, to get a green arrow. Yeah, I got the same score as you actually, Luke, there. I got 72 points as well, which I'm pretty pleased with. Um, you know, the main men, sort of John Lundstrom getting the points, 21 points, just a utterly ridiculous pick he has been this season, hasn't he? But um, I also had the captain fair as well in Raheem Sterling, only getting the one times two. So could have been a lot higher. Um, you know, the likes of Abraham and Mane and Trent being sort of the top scorers, as well as Madison as well for a nine-pointer doing the business for me. But it was my bench, actually, that is a bit ridiculous, this game. We had 29 points on my bench. That's after having uh, 15 points on my bench for the last two game weeks. So that's been 59 points benched in the last three game weeks in total, which is just what? ridiculous. <laughs> it had, um, so, I, Ouch. so I benched um, Jimenez, and uh, Tom said I should be locked up for this one, having played um, Aaron Connolly Acon instead of Jimenez. Uh, Jimenez getting nine points, Soyuncu 14 pointer, and uh, uh, Sergio uh, Diego, even Rico, uh, getting six points. That's three clean sheets in a row that I've benched uh, Diego Rico, which is just ridiculous. Uh, bit of a shocker, really, having all these bench points week in, week out. A few people said I should have bench boosts and I should bench boost this week. But, you know, it just shows the strength of my wild card. And it's a bit of a strange situation where I don't really have any transfers to make again this game week. But I guess that kind of moves us on quite nicely to the theme of this week, Tom, which is all about the sort of the, uh, the budget picks, isn't it? So we talked about the premiums and the must-owns last week. And now we're talking about the, uh, the all-killer, no-filler, some of the uh, cheaper assets in the third and fourth midfielders and fourth and fifth defenders, etc. They've been really bossing it compared to some of the premiums this year, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. I think maybe it's not even the case of saying killer, no filler. It's more like all killer, just priced as filler. Um, because that's kind of the guys we're looking at. As Nick said, it's the fourth and fifth defenders. It's the third to fifth midfielders and the third strikers. I mean, we're going to leave keepers, I think, because I think we said on the last pod, and I think it's probably still true that, you know, um, the movement of cash forwards would be the best way to go. Um, but I guess... Just starting to talk about a few of these guys. I think in the defender category, obviously this week was the week. I got Soyuncu and Lundstram as well this week. Uh, but Lundstram is really the guy to talk about. Like Three big chances this week. The stats are great. There's the Lampard and Deli Ali-esque kind of arriving in the box late kind of shtick. Uh, but you know that. And on him, I actually wanted to slip a bit of psychology in to kick us off with. Uh, don't fall asleep, guys. Um, and I'm going to call him a hygiene factor here. Um, so many, many of you have heard me say that before. Oh, he's just basically hygiene now. And I just want to explain what that is and why that's important, how I look at Lundstram. So quite divergent. Uh, hygiene factor derives from a psychologist called Hertzberg about employees at work. He said they have to have two things. One is motivating factors like responsibility, job progression opportunities. The other is hygiene. That's stuff like safety at work. Uh, so hygiene factors are almost universal truths or safety nets we take for granted. So think about that more, the term hygiene, you know, the basis we expect from everyone around us, we expect them to be kind of not sick, have washed their hands. Think about how you wrap someone coughing, you kind of sidle away, don't you? Um, 
this is linked to maybe the human need for safety, but applying this to FPL, certain players are basically just hygiene factors. Those who are kind of hoping those guys don't come off for your prey. And we've had the commitment of them in FPL from Aaron Bissaka last year through to Michu and Mares in the past, so highly owned that it really hurt you. Indeed, Mo Salah was like that last year. And obviously it's linked to ownership, but you know, while the battles may, may rage at a really high price level, at the lower price levels, I find it's really important to be a filthy casual and pick up the cheapy best in ownership and form that you think's the best. And you can get away with it about getting a, a kind of fat lip from the community. Like we've never seen a player like Lundstram thus far in FPL. Like the nearest I can find was Kane, 5.0, 191 points, um, 21 goals and seven assists. But, you know, Lindstrom is an advanced midfielder, 4.0, who's uh, a defender. So I guess for him, he's like the, the nail that it's all kind of moved around, isn't it? What do you guys think of Lindstrom? Like, uh, I guess almost a, it's almost like a redundant argument, isn't it, Luke, just to even kind of argue against him. He's got to be in your teams now. Yeah, I, you've got to get him in. I think there's that tendency to maybe, if you've not got on someone early, uh, to go, well, I, I, I've not got on them, so I'm just going to leave it now. And I think actually, that's that's not the way to go. I think you it will it could it will still make a difference to your rank. You know, I mean, if you had him in this week with with twenty one points, like you, that's going to make a that's going to make a difference to your rank. So don't be put off by you know him being highly owned. Um, I'm just so glad I got him at the start of the season when he was at four million. Same with Wan Bissaka last year. Um, although he you know he, he wasn't doing as well as uh, as Lundstrom. I think, yeah, you've got to get him in, really. I, I mean, is, is he 4.8 now, I think? Um, mm. Something like that. So, I think that's still still such a good price for a Sheffield United defender who... Sheffield United are defending really well and there's a lot of few people like doubling up on their defence now. So their defenders are kind of all in the top 10, aren't they? Point scorers. So, and Lundstrom playing in midfield, it's just absolute gold, isn't it, for, uh, for FPL? So, so, yeah, get him in, I would say. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there, Luke. I mean, Lindstrom just seems like if you've just got to bring this guy in, even though he's now like 4.8, he's risen 0.8 million. I think it's just a hygiene factor, isn't it, with uh, with Lindstrom? He, he's, the problem with him, I guess, is like the defence and, and who you play as well, because it, it's, it's getting quite tough, actually, to, to pick a starting um, three or starting four out of the defenders we own. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Sheffield United have five clean sheets. There's the likes of Chris Basham, for instance, outscoring Virgil van Dijk, which is just ridiculous um, how, um, how good they've been so far this season. And even them playing um, Spurs um, this game week, he still seems like you, you want to play him. You, you don't want to be missing out on those Lundstrom points, especially with the high ownership as well. And, and the other guy as well that I had, um, I've had since the start, I got Lundstrom a bit later, but I've had... Um, Rico, I mentioned earlier, since the start, and he's another 4.0 million defender that's just absolutely bossing it in FPL right now as well. Um, three clean sheets in a row for Bournemouth. They've got Newcastle up next. You want to be, you're looking at that fixture. You think, actually, I want to be playing this guy as well because he's been doing really well. I mean, in terms of the stats as well, Rico's really um, shining in terms of the uh, creativity stats. He's created 17 chances, which the third highest for defenders it's actually more than um, Andrew Robertson believe it or not so he's he's getting forwards he's creating loads of chances for Bournemouth and, and Bournemouth suddenly all of a sudden um, since we started looking at the Norwich assets they're defensively solid they've got three clean sheets in a row and uh, looks like they really um, sorted out the back line with um, sort of Steve Cook and Nathan Ake putting some really good performances in so 
I'm starting to think Rico Lundstrom, you you want to be playing both these guys. So you think, who, who am I going to drop here? So, you know, the other person, as we mentioned, Soyuncu, who's just got 14 points. So uh, it's, it's, it's really tough right now in terms of who you play and who you bench. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you've got Soyuncu and Tamori, who I think are the beneficiaries of someone at official FPL going on annual leave, going on the summer holidays a little bit earlier, a really annoying time in the schedule. And they've gone, oh, mate, Phil's going on holiday. Like, we've got to launch it now before he goes away. I mean, he, he's the only guy who can authorise it. Them kind of opening up early means that Soyuncu and Tamori are both 0.5 underpriced a little bit. Like, a simple Google would have told you that Lundstram is not a defender. Like, it's baffling there, really. But in, in terms of Soyuncu and Tamori, like, I think those two are such like, kind of gifts really aren't they this year because I mean so on two yeah the no attacking threat is probably the most infamous phrase amongst the reactionaries now because he scored last week mate um, but I got him at 4.5 very happy but it's worth considering the last four but Leicester have had an XGC of six and you can see the three and you've got your mate Mr Tamori as well and um, bursting into the Chelsea team out of nowhere and suddenly becoming well a bit of a linchpin for Lampard and I guess Luke with these two you've got to be thinking well one or both is just such excellent value that you know they're going to be padding out the squad and making it that you can make that kind of amazing kind of attacking platform because those cheap defenders provide such value right when i played my wild card kind of it was probably about five or six weeks in um i went off uh the, the premiums i had uh, at the back i think i had taa van dyke and luca dean and zinchenko and i got rid of the three of them just kept taa and uh, got in soyonchu got in tamori um and i think i got joel ward at the time from from palace um who who got a couple of clean sheets as well and then i, I offloaded him when their fixtures changed and um brought in jamal lascelles for his 10 pointer last week which i just couldn't couldn't quite oh, yeah absolutely such a brucey bonus that one yeah it really was absolutely saved my game week last week um with his 10-pointer, uh, I think it was his first goal in 58 games for oh, Newcastle. And it was visionary. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those moves where I was like, finally a bit of luck this season. Um, so, yeah, I think all the value at the moment is, um, is in those lower-priced defenders. I mean, I don't, I don't like Tomori as much as um, Soyuncu, Chu, uh, Lundstrom, and, but maybe even Rico at the moment, although I think Bournemouth will probably go back to to being leaky, uh, especially when they play kind of better teams than I hate to say it than Manchester United. Um, and I think the problem with the problem with Tamori is Chelsea just aren't reliable for clean sheets at the moment, are they? I mean, I know he's got a little bit of attacking threat and he, he bursts forward and things like that, but I think actually there's there might be better choices there at the moment around around that price. But he's in my team and, and he's not going anywhere for now. Uh, it's just, I'd like to see Chelsea keep a few more clean sheets. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think with um, with Tamori, it's a bit of a challenge because I have been playing him and, and they seem to lose the clean sheet last minute as well. Um, and that was really, really, really annoying this, this game week when they conceded against Watford. I think it was a bit of a sloppy penalty. Uh, but with um, Crystal Palace at home up next, it seems a bit you know churlish of me to to drop Tamori in favour of a Sheffield United defender playing Spurs or, or Leicester defender playing Arsenal. It seems very much off the grain. So it is, it is um, proving a little bit tricky for me to to um, pick my team. And I think it's um, sort of, if we're moving on to the midfielders, there's a little bit of a formation shift at the moment. A lot of people, you know, looking at sort of the 3-5-2, starting to think, actually, should I be playing four at the back? Should I even be playing five at the back? It's 
been working quite well actually for my, my dad who's had five at the back for the last few game weeks playing Rico and the likes of Dunk as well getting him clean sheets but I think with the midfielders you've seen the likes of um, Cantwell who's, who's had a bit of a fall from grace actually he, he was sort of really you know looking like a really good attacking sort of 4.5 million midfielder but in the last few game weeks he's barely getting any game time at all now I think he's only been playing 40 to 50 minutes or so each game week and um, so a lot of people are starting to pivot away from those cheaper midfielders um, and then starting to think you know just playing you know four or five at the back it's, it's not big at the back anymore as a um, as Hindu Monkey put it, it's F all at the back, but it's a, it seems to be a bit of a winning winning strategy for, for some managers. But I think with the midfielders, um, you know, sort of the cheaper element of the midfielders, there's a few options out there. Um, I quite like the um, the look of uh, John McGinn, and I think uh, potentially McGinn and uh, Grealish even as well, if you go for a slightly um, differential in Aston Villa are both options there sort of around that sort of 5.96 million mark uh, I don't know if anyone's caught your eye in terms of the uh, cheaper midfielders Luke um, yeah I think Grealish definitely stands out um, from Villa um, I think I like McGinn and I think he's I think it will, it will continue to trickle in points uh, all season um, but according to uh, my Producer Ben from from our podcast, who's a big Villa fan, he he, he thinks uh, McGinn has moved back slightly uh, in midfield. He's not as advanced as he was as he was playing, especially with um with marvelous Nakamba playing more. I think Grealish then had a more advanced role, so I think Grealish might be a better option going forward than McGinn. Although you know McGinn's qualities is is there for all to see. Um, I also like um like Tillmans from Leicester at six point five. Um. I'm really interested in Zaha uh, from from game week 14 when Palace's fixtures change. I think he again he's, he's starting to look very dangerous. I think the only the only worry with Zaha is he's perhaps not quite clinical enough, um, but he's good at winning penalties, um, and I think he could be worth a bit of a punt um, when when their fixtures turn. Kind of below that, um, I looked at Traore from Wolves. If you want kind of cheap enabler to to maybe get in you know a, a Mane Sterling and De Bruyne in your team perhaps Traore could be a could be a cheaper enabler to rotate with a kind of with a cheap striker like Jordan Ayew because um, Wolves have got really great fixtures coming up it's just I suppose Traore is not um, again kind of a bit, bit like Zaha hasn't been that clinical obviously got his goals against City but apart from that he always looks dangerous, but hasn't kind of got that final ball or final shot in him. But at five point one, you know, might be a might be a good cheap option. Yeah, I feel like Traore is definitely one of those players sort of in the Aaron Lennon mould of just sort of running down the wing and, and never really having any real end product or delivering. Obviously, he got that brace as you mentioned against Manchester City. But yeah, as you said, five point one million. You know, you, you can't really go wrong with him as a pick, especially with Wolves fixtures. They've got a really nice run of um, games coming up with Villa, uh, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, West Ham, Brighton, all up next. So, they, you know, he could easily get some returns in those games and uh, could easily deliver. I think um, sort of going back to Aston Villa, I guess, McGinn and Greenish are still kind of the ones that I've been looking at. I mean, in terms of the sort of the underlying stats, I know Tom did some analysis on the guys uh, in the preseason. So, so McGinn is the best pick with Greenish is... Um, doing pretty well as well. I think McGinn's um, actually second for goal attempts with 32, but 13 of them actually been outside, only 13 have been inside the box. So he's kind of taken a few more pot shots 
Um, so less likely um, to sort of be on target compared to like Sterling, who's also had 32 goal attempts, but you know 29 have been in the box. But uh, Greedish, in terms of his actual um, chance creation stats, have been pretty um, damn decent as well. So flying definitely under the radar. I think Greedish only has 4.3% ownership compared to McGinn, and he's um, third for chances created with 35. So a bit of a differential pick perhaps there. But um, yeah, you mentioned the Leicester guys as well. I've also... Um, got some vague notes on them as well in terms of Tiedemans and Perez sort of being the, uh, the sort of really sort of good value picks there. What, what do you think, Tom? Yeah, we're all kind of fishing around the same territory, aren't we? It's always seemed to be, um, I really like the calls of um, of McGinn and Grealish. I think their fixtures are definitely going to get a little bit better soon. They're the kind of the horror duo, didn't they, of uh, Man City and Liverpool back to back. But but from now, it does get a little bit better. I think it's from game week 16 when things do brighten up. There's like a nice little run in game week 16 and 21. They don't play any teams in the top six, or they do play less than 16. So maybe it's actually 17 to 21 these days. Um, and speaking of Leicester, I think Tiedemann is definitely one I'm very interested in just because you don't own him, basically, Nick. Um, you, I know that like, Madison does, on, on all measures, look at slightly the better option, but I did do a comparison sometimes with Hub, and they're very, very similar. They're very close on many measures. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later as well. I've got a few questions on this, but Madison broadly excels on crosses, shots, and key passes in terms of volume. Um, but Tiedemann's XA is higher than Maddie's, and his XG is still in the same ballpark, despite Maddie taking far more shots as well. So maybe it's case of quality over quantity ownership's a factor i think 16 percent for a madison eight for a telemore um, so i'm interested you know, you've got lots of um, you know luke as you said there's aha fixtures really improved for them uh, 14 to 20 140 points i think it was last season so you know, the sort of player who could really flourish in those sorts of games and also you know you've even got southampton long forgotten southampton uh, resurging um after game week 14 they've got a nice from between 14 and 18 so maybe like it's a Gineppo, but I guess here it's almost the case you've got Mason Mount already. It sounds like we're saying that it's going to move to a three-five-two. If these are the sort of people who are going to be padding out our teams, you know, and I guess that's kind of reflected in the forwards. You know, you've got like sort of Acon, Aaron Connolly, who's doing the job for most people. Lise Mousset, uh, the zombie hero. But I, I guess the, the key question is: Is two forwards the way now? Because you know you've got the three-five-two and that power mid that we seem to be kind of preferring here, um, keeping that first striker out. What do you guys reckon to that? Do you think it has gone the way of three-five-two in terms of the formations? I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm still leaning much more towards three up top, and my first choice three right now would be would be Jimenez, uh, Vardy, and Abraham. Um, so I think I think Jimenez is um, he's going to continue to score goals all season for Wolves, um, and their fixtures turn really nicely at the moment. And I think, I mean, I was looking at it and I was playing around with my team and I got a little draft earlier with a, a, a midfield of um, KDB, Mane, Tielemans and Salah. So I had Mane and Salah in the same, um, in, in the same team, which looked really tasty. Um, so, but that was with Jordan Ayew up front with Vardy and Abraham. Um, so again, I suppose he's kind of a similar, similar bracket to, um, to Connolly. Um, as as a kind of you know cheap en- enabler, um, so yeah, I was looking at that, and I think Connolly is is nice and cheap at, at four point seven, and and he could what he could work nicely if you can if you want to fit um, Sterling Mane you know and KDB in your team or Sterling Salah and KDB in your team. Um, but Brighton's fixtures aren't great, and I, I still don't think he's nailed on, um, and I don't really like the thought of rotating him with a with a low priced. Um, defender or midfielder so I was kind of looking at combinations which I think is, is always good to look at when you when you work these things out and I think a, a combination of say you know Jimenez, Madison, 
and one or two premium defenders will probably score more than Connolly, Sterling and a 4.5 million defender over the next few weeks. So I think looking at those combos is, is, is always good um, and, and thinking, well, are, are these three players going to score more than these three players over the next kind of, you know, however many weeks? So yes, to answer the <laughs> to answer the three five two question, I'm leaning more towards uh, a three four three still, with my preferred option of Jimenez, Bardi, and Abraham. And you know, I, I don't want to waste any more time and become another casualty of the Pookie party. I've got to get out of that. Um, and the sooner I can get rid of him, the better. And my my preferred choice for him would be Jimenez right now. Yeah, so I think um, I've been playing three five two actually for the last um, few game weeks and since since I did my wild card. But I think certainly um, you hit the nail on the, he- on the head in terms of the budget options there. I feel like there's a lot of flexibility in terms of um, your formations this season. The likes of those cheap defenders we mentioned, the likes of Aaron Connolly, who's in my team. He's sort of the third striker foil that I've got at the moment. And I've got Abraham and Jimenez leading the line. But then I don't have actually, um, I haven't actually got Jamie Vardy. But I've got James Madison, who's um, he's been doing all right himself, to be honest. A couple of back-to-back returns for him. So I feel like he can potentially um, cover Madison. And I've managed to fit Mano Sterling, De Bruyne in as well. So it's kind of working for me, that that setup. But I think definitely, you know, I could play 4-4-2 perhaps one week. I could mix things up a little bit with some of these, these other defenders. And, uh, yeah, I think with the forwards, I think it does look like Vardy, Abraham... Jimenez is the way forward for most people. It seems like the the leading line, the, the front three that um, a lot of people have. I think there's a few other options out there, perhaps worth mentioning a few of the other differentials. I did actually um, quite like the look of Watford's fixtures, actually. And I think Deo Lefeo, um popular pick at the beginning of the season, uh, but kind of, you know, people sold him quite heavily. Obviously blanked at the beginning of the season. Now he's down to 6.1 million. Uh, but Aston, uh, Watford actually have a really nice round of fixtures of Villa, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, West Ham, Brighton. And he, he just got a return in the last game as well. So he could perhaps be someone a bit off the radar. And um, you also mentioned Jordan Ayew, who's also been doing very well as well, Luke. Certainly another option. And also uh, Tom Zombie pick, uh, Lise Mousset, part of the, uh, the Sheffield United crew that are absolutely bossing it right now. So, um, yeah, a few picks at the moment. I think in terms of the formation, 3-5-2 is my, uh, my favourite one for my team, at least at the moment. But certainly can see the appeal of any, any real formation working at the moment. Seems like there's a lot of flexibility in, in the options available. Yeah, certainly. I completely agree with Luke on the VAJ, otherwise known as the V. Oh, hang on, I can't say that out loud, can I? On the, when he's getting explicit rating, so we're, we're going we're to call it the VAJ for now, or, or the JAV. But everyone knows what I'm thinking, right? And um, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I think three five two is like we'll really struggle to get Jimenez in. It's almost looking like the case of a good fifth midfielder and Connolly versus a dud, a dud sort of fifth midfielder in like a, you know Dendonka or in my case a Campwell, as you mentioned, that guy has fallen from grace and three strikers and seven point one Jimmy. I quite like. like Wolves fits are quite good, and to be honest, like even though they didn't do very well against the, the kind of the bottom teams um, last year, they lost, didn't they? The uh, the championship between them and the bottom six. They're still going to score probably in the games to come. So coming up next, Aston Villa followed followed by Bournemouth, Sheffield United, West Ham and Brighton. So yeah, 12 to 16 is looking very, very lush indeed. And I really fancy that. My my main worry is Vardy. But yeah, I I guess maybe at the moment I'm still on the 3-4-3, but I could really be persuaded. I just just don't know Jimenez at the moment. But if you don't don't own him and you haven't bought him yet, I can see why you go 3-5-2. But it seems like there's quite a lot going on here. And it seems like it's, uh, you know, there's lots of uh, uh, players who are kind of involved. I think 
beyond Lundstrand, it's quite difficult to kind of think of any who are uh, completely hygiene factors right now. I mean, for a little while ago, it would have been Cantwell, but, you know, we were in too deep on him, and I'm glad that we managed to get out instead of going under when we uh, when we had him, because, right, fielding him as a fifth midfielder was never uh, never a sustainable option. So it'll be interesting to see what develops and just to see how that goes. But, yeah, good discussion, guys. Let's uh, take a break there and move on to the features after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Uh, so we're back and we're on to the feature section now. This is our regular staple of things that we speak about. Uh, the Mark of Forces, the over 30s, Nick Pitt versus Tom Pick and the Dad Watch. Uh, Mark of Forces, Nick, man across numbers. What's happening here? So um, the most transcending player at the moment, obviously, is the Lord John Lundstrom. 182,000 transfers in so far. People decided after that brace and clean sheet, ridiculous return. That he's just, he's just a hygiene factor, as you said, Tom. You, you just can't go without Lundstrom. You know, he, he just looks key. We've all got to get him in. Uh, but I think in terms of defenders, it's, uh, it seems like Virgil van Dijk's actually the man that's being sold uh, most heavily, as I mentioned. Likes of Chris Basham, John Egan, all scoring um, more than van Dijk now. And Liverpool, despite being defensively solid, have only managed two clean sheets. And that's really, really impacting van Dijk's returns now. And with the Manchester City game up next, not a surprise that he's being sold. But in terms of the sort of most transferred out players right now, it's um, Timu Puki. Um, with 145,000 transfers out, and the Hung and Son with 100,000 um, transfers out. And I know um, they're peeling his suspension, but it's probably likely that he's going to be missing the next couple of games. And, and I know, Luke, you both have Son and Puki as well, don't you? So um, a few decisions, I guess, to make there after sort of Pukki's six blanks now in a row. Yeah, I, I badly want to get off. I mean, I think I, they've got Watford at home next, haven't they? So... I'm not like overly upset about keeping him for that because that might be his last hurrah. Um, and I think I can take what, I mean, he's worth 6.8 at the moment and my selling value is 6.7. So I can take a drop on him without worrying too much. And also my selling value on Son is, is 9.5 at the moment and he's, and he's currently 9.6. So I can take a drop on him as well without, without losing anything. So hopefully, hopefully there's no double drops and I can wait to make a decision because I, I don't, I wouldn't like to go too early on that. But yeah, like you say with Son, I mean it's it's funny with Son because I think obviously yeah he was distraught about Gomez, but it wasn't really his fault that he had that horrific injury, was it? I mean it looked like it was more to do with his fall after, and then he's coming together with Aurier, and I I, I mean I completely get the distress from Son, but I think, you know, people need to get in his ear and say, look, it couldn't really be helped. It wasn't a bad tackle. Um, But yeah, I worry that even if his ban is overturned, that psychologically he's not going to be in a good place. And in terms of FPL, it's not not great to have him him in the team. So yeah, there's some decisions to be made, but I kind of need to get rid of both of them really. Yeah, so I think it's one of those ta- one of those things that's just unfortunate for absolutely everybody involved on the weekend and ascribing blame as uh, yeah, too, too many factors to say it was definitely your fault. It wasn't Marco Materazzi headbutting Zindin Zidane, something like that. It was a lot less cut and dried. So anyway, um, elsewhere, I mentioned Son is being sold, of course. David Silva is being sold too. Um, Pep said that he was likely to miss the uh, the game at the weekend against Liverpool. And Mo Salah is being sold as well. So there's quite a lot of space in the middle. And uh, who's filling that space? Well, it's uh, Pulisic, 165,000 transfers in. And 
Sadio Mane, uh, Luke said uh, a minute ago that he was interested in him too. 120,000 uh, transfers in, and he's now up to 12.0. So the gap between him and Mo Salah is 0.3, closest I think it's been for quite a while. And uh, yeah, there's more people who own uh, Sadio Mane than Mo Salah, finally. Um, I think it happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Mane is owned by 33% now, and uh, Salah's 28%. So yeah, quite a big difference there. We're all uh, Mane converts, aren't we, Nick? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously in terms of the performances we've seen recently as well, Mane seems like he's playing a little bit better than Salah. I mean, Salah was lucky to get the return um, in the game week before that, but that was because of a penalty and, and, and Mane really is impressing. So no surprise that their, their prices are starting to converge a little bit. And yeah, just to, to round up the section, also a couple of forwards being heavily bought. Um, Jamie Vardy, of course, who was leading the market forces last game week, nicked a goal in the game, um, sort of in the last minute, um, which is a bit annoying for non-owners like myself. And Tammy Abraham, of course, who, who's doing really well as well. He's, he's had a fantastic start to the, um, the season. Um, another, pri- another player who had a sort of a crazy price at the beginning of the season, only costing £7 million pounds to sort of be leading a, a, the line for Chelsea, and he's now on nine goals. So a lot of interest um, coming his way. What with the uh, Crystal Palace game up next? Yep, most owned player in FPL, Tammy Abraham. Cool, all right, moving on to the over 30s then. Um, they did pretty well this week, it's 51 points for them. Uh, well, I don't know if that's pretty well. It's probably averagely, isn't it? What was the average this week? 53. So below average, I should say. But yeah, I'm just so conditioned now to accept low-scoring game weeks, Nick. Uh, yeah, they got uh, 51 points. Captain Sergio Aguero came through. Jamie Vardy and Aubameyang in the front line uh, did well. Uh, but the supporting cast really let them down. Uh, Schmeichel um, got an eight-pointer at the back, and Evans got five. But yeah, elsewhere, it wasn't particularly good. Yarmolenko, Sigurdsson, William David Silva uh, contributed just five points between them in midfield. And elsewhere it wasn't particularly great so down to just over the one million mark now but they've been doing fairly well i think i kind of swapped over with them actually um this week i think i'm, I'm now 750k so i've replaced them but yeah well, one of those isn't it which uh yeah we'll continue because again next week quite a good team and uh yeah i think it'll be interesting to see how they do uh, vardy captain of course against the uh, arsenal at home all right, uh, moving on to the pit versus the Tom Pit. That's where we pick a couple of players every week. And last week you chose Cancelo, Nick, who unfortunately didn't appear. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's hope you can uh, improve the next player that you bring in rather than uh, playing a hell song for him. Uh, so, who have you chosen this week? So, yeah, obviously, Cancelo was a bit of a dud pick, but is it actually his counterpart, Kyle Walker, that got a double attacking return for the first time in his Premier League career? So, uh, let's pretend that was Cancelo that got those points and not uh, Kyle Walker. But um, actually, for this week, I've gone for a sort of a central defender, defensive stalwart. I've gone for, I've gone for Nathan Ake, actually, Tom. Um, so Bournemouth obviously have three clean sheets in a row and they've got Newcastle up next. Um, Newcastle have had the second least goal attempts for all Premier League clubs um, so far this season. I know they've just come off a three goal victory, but um, you know, chances are that Bournemouth could make it four clean sheets in a row. What with the defensive performances that him and Steve Cook have um, been putting in so far? Um, Ake's also been pretty good um, attacking me as well. He's got a goal and assist so far. And um, 10 goal attempts inside the box is joint highest for all defenders, actually. Um, so, yeah, quite a big fan of Nathan Ake. Wouldn't be surprised if um, some of the top clubs uh, come knocking on Bournemouth's door. Uh, for him next uh, summer as well because he's he's been doing really well so yeah Ake is my pick this week 
Oh, Ake, dear God. Oh, well, very, very, very uh, conservative yet left field pick from you, Nick. I like that. A nice mixture. And uh, for me, it's, uh, yeah, it's Dwight McNeil. Um, the only reason that is is because he's very low owned and he's against West Ham. West Ham have got one of the worst defensive records. I think almost worse than Norwich in terms of uh, big chances conceded over the last six. So uh, I fancy him to really make a difference with Burnley, who are going to who wants to make amends after being absolutely thrashed by Sheffield United last week. Speaking of being thrashed, uh, let's let's uh, move to Dab Watch and the uh, Nick, uh, embarrassingly, it's uh, has it gotten worse or have you made some ground up on your dad? So just a, a tiny bit of ground, to be honest. I mean, he, he got 68 points this week, which which is a pretty pretty solid game week. But he's been doing so well, actually. That's actually a red arrow cause it, at the top somehow. 68 points and a red arrow, dropping him a few K down to 27K. But yeah, it was a pretty um, solid week considering he doesn't actually have John Lundstrom as well. So, you know, 68 points without John Lundstrom on, without Soyuncu is uh, pretty damn impressive, to be honest. I think um, that last minute Dean assist uh, knocking out my Gazaniga clean sheet made it very close between us in terms of our overall scores. But uh, yeah, another solid performance, still absolutely smashing it. Um, Going to do a sort of interview with him. Didn't have time this week. I hope he might have time. Uh, next week to kind of just do a little bit of a chat in terms of how he's uh, doing this season. I know he's um, told me that he's planning a couple of uh, transfers this game week. He's, he's getting rid of cousin Todd actually, Todd. He's oh. had enough of him and uh, <laughs> perhaps uh, looking to downgrade a defender to upgrade um, uh, cousin Tom to a um, cousin Todd, sorry, uh, to a <laughs> mid-priced mid. So hopefully uh, the discussion uh, this uh, this pod helps him because I know he's a keen listener as well. Awesome. Hi, Ian. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. And if you want to join the league, the league code is EIKX03. Um, we're not doing a zombie league update this game week, but I know um, your zombies have been doing pretty well, Luke, in the top 50 in the league. So well done. But I know you just mentioned that uh, your actual teams uh, caught up with your zombie league um, team and overtaken them, which is always pleasing because it's always a bit horrible when you see your zombies doing better um, than your actual team and you're looking at your actual team and making changes week in, week out can be very frustrating. But um, yeah, with the Who Got the Assist um, Mini League um, at the top, there's a um, a new number one actually it's Mustafa Kamel with the winner team aptly named They've got 82 points this game week up um, 727 points overall very very impressive 66 overall um, in the actual game which is really really good second in Egypt as well so well done Mustafa a really nice team Abraham captain bit of a left field pick that worked out well for him this game week and he's, he's overtaken from a Declan Rin Wesley Crushers just the 63 points for him means he's dropped down to second in the league. Um, in third, it's uh, Rui de Oliveira uh, with the CP Warriors. 83 points for him. Um, very nice score for him as well. Fourth is Kieran Screeton. Uh, Pain in the Vast with 79 points. Um, fifth is FPL Lewis. Um, return of the Snag. Um, 73 points for him. And then up to sixth, we've got Declan Kelly. Like a new signing. Got 88 points. Very impressive score there. Christina Hagseth in seventh. Uh, Bendik Love got 92 points this game week. Very, very nice score there uh, with the Red Ranchers. In ninth is um, our good friend FPL Chef with Bean doing very, very well. 79 points. And in 10th is Joseph Beach right up into 10th with 107 points this game week. Very, very oh, nice monstrous. score there. Um, Soyuncu, um, Lundstrom and Schmeichel uh, making up the points in terms of the back line with TAA as well. Uh, Mane, Aubameyang, Vardy, McGinn and Captain Abraham. Um, absolutely bossing it. Game week rank of 
1,880, which is a pretty damn what ridiculous score. So uh, he's gone up right up into the uh, top 1,000 uh, after being twenty uh, second, 22nd, uh, 22nd thousand the week before. So really, really nice score there for him. Wow, absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? At the moment, like, you know, I've got a good score this week and one good score can really rock you up the ranks because we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, we're so bunched up that if you cut, put a couple of good results together, you can really climb those ranks. You saw that in our mini league. I'm sure, Luke, you saw that in yours. And my Lord, it's, uh, it's, there's so much opportunity right now. That's why every every kind of decision feels so sort of uh, delicate, doesn't it? Um, but before we get on to helping other people with their delicates, um, on the 13th of December, I should mention, uh, Friday the 13th of December, we're having the uh, London Christmas Party Fancy Football Hub uh, will be in Marlebone Sports Bar and Grill from 6pm onwards and I believe Luke you're going to try to uh, get down as well yeah definitely yeah I'm going to do my best and bring the uh, bring the triple captain boys down if, uh, if they're available I know my my co-host Rich um, lives in London so so I'm sure he can make it down but yeah look forward to that should be good Awesome, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely do. Um, don't have to tell me up to um, do, do a ticket or RSVP or anything. Do come along. It's a, always a really good event. I think we've got about fifty people who have so far said yes. So Friday the thirteenth of December, um, put that in your diaries and block that time up. Great. Let's move on to the questions. And the first question is: Are we all rich, Uncle Jossie now? Um, so FPL Awesome says we're Vardy, Tammy, Lundstrom, Mount, all the guys you spoke about being really high undervalued assets. Do we suddenly have more money than we know what to do with? And Jeremy Lewis asks a similar question. He points out that there's so much value in the mid-tier assets right now that maybe we should just invest in them and maybe have cash in the bank or something like that steve harkin actually responded and said that he had 7.2 million in the bank right now and nothing to spend it on because mid-range options no like leicester and chelsea were just so damn good so we've got all this money guys i mean do we even need to spend it all is it is there a case as the the guys have asked in the questions that we should just not worry about the price and worry more about the value now so, so, yeah, I think um, definitely that is the case. I mean, I've been playing the last few game weeks with um, sort of one million in the bank, actually, and it, it's been okay. Um, you know, there's so many cheap options, these four million defenders, as we talked about already on the pod. We talked about the Chelsea assets and how they were underpriced as well, like so Mason Mount and um, Tammy Abraham playing the role of premiums from premium clubs, so to speak, um, and just being dirt cheap. And, uh, yeah, we, we've all got a little bit of money um, flowing around. But, you know, I think still money is good. I mean, I can't get, you know, ideally in, in the best scenario, I'd swap um, Aaron Connolly and get Jamie Vardy in. So there's always ways to spend the money and uh, do things with your team. But, you know, at the moment, it is a bit of a weird one because, you know, you look at outside the Manchester City and Liverpool assets, you look at the expensive midfielders and they're all absolute crap, aren't they? You know, um, the likes of Ericsson and, and Nicholas Pepe just doing absolutely nothing compared to these sort of 4.5, 4.0 million uh, players that have been bossing it. So um, I definitely do feel like it's one of those strange seasons where it, you know, what you spend on your team doesn't really matter. It's all about who you pick as opposed to trying to spend as much money as, as possible. Um, what do you think on that one, Luke? Yeah, I mean, when I've been playing around with my team today, actually, I either end up with not enough money at all or um, with loads in the bank because um, I think like I touched on earlier to try and fit you know um, three or four of the of the premium midfielders who are performing the best you know Salah although Salah's not been great over the last few weeks and neither is Sterling I think they, they will come good um, but to fit in you know Salah, Sterling, Mane, KDB all into one team would be would leave you with nothing in the bank whereas if you kind of pick the players in those mid to low priced options who are doing really well, you end up with 
with lots of money left over. So I think the temptation is always to spend what you've got. I mean, I know, I know it is with me. I think, well, who can I fit in this, that extra bit, that, that extra point, you know, point two or point three more because I've got it in the bank. But actually, that's not the best way to play. It's uh, you've got to you've got to pick the best players uh, on on form and fixtures. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you could go with the players that you think uh, are going to score the most points, uh, to put it simply, and if you've got money left in the bank, then you've got money left in the bank. It's definitely that point now, isn't it? Uh, maybe even earlier than the last couple of seasons where value and price have really diverged. So a player could be priced one thing, as you see with Mason Mount at the start, he was 6.0. But his value is that, as Nick said, of a, of a premium player. And actually, you know, I said to Osmo actually um, earlier on that this year really reminds me of the Leicester season, 2015-16, that we all had Vardy, Mares, and Fuchs. And we also had Kane, Ericsson and Ali and Rose because they're all so cheap. Leicester and Spurs were underpriced, but they were in the title race that year. And this year it's looking the same with Leicester and Chelsea, like being a really fine spine to your side. Like there's nothing wrong with having free Leicester or free Chelsea and or I guess free Chelsea. It's a good thing, obviously, that we've got all these kind of gifts to us like Lundstram, Soyonchu, Tamori, all those sort of cheap players in Chelsea midfield. But uh, equally, I think, you know, you're right, Lee, that you've got to keep the focus on not kind of being like, oh, God, how can you use all this money up? It's a case of kind of generating the maximum points within the budget that you've got. And I wouldn't get too hung up on, um, you know, spending it all as you say I think that that's really kind of the, the number of it there um, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes like all it will take is one sort of big premium to emerge and because there'll be lots of us like I'm looking at selling Sterling and selling more pay and then replacing with Vardy and Tielemans and I have loads of money in the bank absolutely loads so I could jump on absolutely anyone. It's almost a case at the moment we've got that kind of big kind of DuckTales-esque kind of having a bath and some money and waiting to see how it goes. But that's where the game goes. You've got to follow that trend. And uh, yeah, uh, fundamentally, I think that that's probably a good thing to do um, at the time being, at least, until someone else emerges. Cool. All right, next question. Um, holding Firmino. Um, so FPL Boxer asks, if Firmino can cover no Salah and Sterling, if you have kind of Mane and KDB as the two kind of premium midfielders that you choose to go with. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I think if you've got, I think if you've got Mane, KDB, and Firmino, that I mean, at the moment, that could quite easily cover Salah and Sterling. I mean, I think Mane is definitely the better option at the moment, um, and Sterling hasn't quite hit the heights as he yet of last season in terms of his returns. Um, and it, it's just a question of how long you hold for, isn't it? Because I always kind of say these players are. You know, Sterling will end up with 15 to 20 goals at the end of the season. I've got no doubt about that. So it's whether you, it's whether you can jump off and back on at the right time, or you just hold him. I mean, at the moment, I'm similar to you. I'm thinking of getting rid of him, but I'm thinking of bringing Mane in, and I, I actually really like the idea of having Mane and Salah in my team for Liverpool's fixture change. And I, I do think that people will be rushing to get three Liverpool back in their team once once they've played City, because they've just got such a good run after that. I don't think they play anyone, do they, in the top six? No. Um, apart from Leicester, I think, until like 20, game of 21 or 22. And I think particularly if they beat City and they've, and they've got that nine-point gap, then I think there's no stopping them. I think they'll go on a really good run um, and it will just give them more confidence. That City game's crucial, really. I think if City win and suddenly the gap's three points, the game's maybe a little cagier. Um, so I think that will that will influence my decision. But um, for me, no, if you've got him and Mane and KDB, I think I think that's a good that's a good trio at the moment. 
No, that certainly makes sense. No, I think like you mentioned there, but you know, Sterling, yeah, over the course of the season, he's going to do very, very well. I think a lot of the time, like I know there's kind of a case for patience. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but like there's also the case that when you're managing, it's about timing and, and getting them getting that right because you're probably going to bring Sterling back in. I think uh, you know, Man City's fixtures in the near term are kind of a bit meh, um, but when you're looking kind of uh, game week kind of um, 40, uh, twenty onwards, um, they've got a really, really good run then. So maybe want to bring Sterling back then like I'm not marrying the idea of selling Sterling forever I'm not saying I just can't buy him now I'm just going to probably try to time it so I'm going to get on Vardy if he's good fixtures and move him back to Sterling or something like that um but yeah I mean on the case of Firmino I suppose Nick like I'm not too sure like I was a bit I owned him for a couple of weeks on my wild card. Didn't like him. It's very frustrating watching watching your kind of uh, premium foil striker um, looking to pass when he could shoot. Um, that's so frustrating to watch. Even if you know the stats are very very good for Firmino, like the eye test, you you couldn't marry the two things up and be happy. And I was so relieved this week to get Sadio Mane in. Like he's Liverpool's clutch player, and I think he's the one worth having. I, I just don't think Firmino will. I, th- I think over the course of the season he'll do all right, but it's not going to be predictable and it's not going to be something that you can count on. And I think that's enough for that price point uh, to say no. I think, I think with Firmino, I think he's been a little bit unlucky to be honest, to um, to only have three goals so far this season. For instance, he actually scored this game week, but it was incorrectly um, labelled offside because apparently his armpits was offside according to a, an angled line. So the, the link's uh, effect. Yeah, so that was, a, that was a bit of an odd one, to be honest, that one. And I think if he had scored, perhaps we'd be having a different discussion because in terms of the stats, he said he actually got really good stats. More goal attempts than any other forward, more penalty box touches than any other forward. And I think if you're talking about whether he can cover Mo Salah and you're also owning Sadio Mane, then definitely I think he can. Um, he can cover um, Salah. I mean, Sterling, he potentially can cover Sterling as well um, if you've got KDB, because I think with Sterling, it's, it's the best moment. Um, if you're going to exit, and it's a little bit of a risky strategy perhaps, but if you're going to exit him, it is the best time to exit with um, City's fixtures, because City's fixtures, as you said, are a bit mid. They've got Liverpool and Chelsea up next. So, you know, I think Firmino could still potentially do a job in terms of a triple up on Paul, if you're looking at a sort of a Trent um, Mane Firmino triple up. I, I, you know, I think it actually could be really effective, and it could be a really good um, differential pick, maybe even as well. I think um, so. I think he definitely is an option. You know, perhaps um, a little bit more sold than him um, than you guys. But no, uh, with, the, with the power of the VAJ, I, I just can't see why you fit Firmino in because all of them, except for Vardy, are, are cheaper. So mm. I, I just can't see why. But, yeah, no, fair enough. I think he, he I think still he is potentially an option or at least a, another another alternative. And it's nice to find other alternatives and not be too template. But um yeah, I think for me no, I think he's he's certainly um you know an option. Um so yeah, the next question is um about Nick Pope and Martin SE Fives asked, is his holiness losing his set and forget status? And obviously uh, talking about Nick Pope, he's asked who is the best goalkeeper in the price range if we don't think it's him anymore. And I've never been a Nick Pope match. I think um, pre-season I talked about Dean Henderson being um, my goalkeeper pick and he he did um, pretty damn well actually. I think he's just been outshone a little bit by um, John Lundstrom and uh, Obviously, owning Lundstrom means that, uh, you know, are, are we talking about a Sheffield United double up? Is that a bit too uh, dangerous? Is that a bit too much of a gamble? Uh, but um, I, think, I think Henderson's proved himself as a, a goalkeeping asset. I did exit him on my wild card because um, 
of the Manchester United game in game 13, where unfortunately he's um, going to be ineligible because he's obviously on loan. So I think with Henderson, I do really like him as a pick, but um, I wouldn't say bring him in this game, obviously, because um, because of the uh, the loan. But I think obviously there's a few... Um, there's a few other options out there um, we've talked about in the past. And uh, the guy I did bring in, Gazaniga, I brought him in. He's, he's pretty good, only 4.4, might be 4.5 now. But uh, it, I think he's quite a decent pick at the price. And um, surprisingly enough, actually, it's Aaron Ramsdale, a person I don't think we've ever actually mentioned on the pod, Tom, um, who's a top-scoring goalkeeper right now. So, uh, you know, I definitely think there's a few um, picks out there. Nick Pope... Um, has seemed a little bit rusty. Burnley, a few seasons back, looks really solid defensively. They're keeping tons of clean sheets. Just not the case this year. You know, they got absolutely mauled by Sheffield United, if we're going to be honest. And uh, I'm, starting, I'm starting to think, I know people love Pope. He's, he's a very popular pick in FPL. But I think, you know, perhaps, um, I wouldn't really recommend a goalkeeper transfer. But I think perhaps there are a few other options out there. Matt Ryan as well, also doing very well. What do you think about uh, Nick Pope, Luke? What do you think about the goalkeeper picks in general? Yeah, I've got I've got him. I've had him all season, and um, he kind of started off okay. And yeah, I think they've only had one, two, yeah, only three clean sheets so far, which isn't great. But I mean, goalkeepers for me are, are much of a muchness. I think if you know, despite his kind of um, not great form, he's still only twelve points behind the top scoring keepers, which. I suppose could make a difference right now. I mean, if I'd if I'd have gone with Henderson or Ramsdale or Ryan to start the season, I'd I'd, I'd have a higher rank. But um, yeah, it's boring making goalkeeper transfers, isn't it? I think if I was if if I was on a wild card right now, I probably would get rid of Pope um, and maybe go with maybe go with Ryan or, or, or Henderson. Um, none are none are standing out for me really this season are they and 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 the fact that i'm just very glad that i didn't go with my original plan um at the start of the season um with edison or allison because you know they're way down edison's kind of fifth or sixth highest scoring keeper and he's 6.1 million so I'm, i'm glad i didn't go with the premium yeah, no, certainly. I think we was on the last pod. It's definitely not worth the money. Um, Nick Pope, I think I'm just going to leave him there. I agree with you, Luke, because it's boring, isn't it, using a goalkeeper transfer. And when do you have that free transfer? I mean, Nick, you've got this week of the situation where you've got two free transfers and you can do something. I think mean, for a lot of people, you're not going to get there and there's never, it's never going to be a situation you find yourself in. So I think I'm going to be still waiting for the world to stop hating Nick Pope. And I think, oh, yeah, next three are all right, actually, for Burnley. Um, uh, they've got West Ham, Watford and Crystal Palace. And I think that they could hopefully recover, record a couple of clean sheets there to just kind of puff the stats a little bit. But yeah, lots of guys flying around, as Nick mentioned. I think Dean Henderson would catch my as being a double up with uh, uh, with Lundstram uh, from game week 14 to game week 19, so through Christmas. They don't play any teams in the top six. Um, so I think there may be a case for, you know, home against uh, Newcastle in game week 15, home against Villa in 17, home against Watford in 19 to, uh, for them to grind out a couple of clean sheets. And if you've got double up, like I know FS Joe does, that could be a really, really fruitful but yeah uh, one I'm looking at from game week 13 onwards potentially but if I keep Pope then I keep Pope I'm, I'm really it's not a burning issue for me right now I suppose um, but yeah if you're on wildcard I, I maybe wouldn't be looking at Pope actually um, but it's, it's just one of those isn't it where eventually the, the keepers will probably will do alright won't they and it's not really the focus of this season and I think that that answer also covers Vardy Boys' question on the Sheffield United double up at the back. I think that's a, it's a fairly decent thing to do. Uh, but let's get into the big thing. Uh, 
elsewhere from what we spoke about this week, which is Leicester. Uh, lots of questions on this, and here are the two best ones. Uh, VIP Vardy, uh, Death Star FPL asks, how essential is Rebecca Vardy's husband right now? Um, can we cover with the Clarkson hate target James Madison, um, or is it double up time? And uh, locating Leicester midfielders, Tom Campbell explains he's between uh, Madison and Tielemans this week and wonders which is the better option. So lots of options in Leicester, and uh, I own just Soronchu, got very, very jammy this week. Uh, Nick has a Madison and Soronchu, and uh, Luke, I know you've got Vardy too, so uh, a range of perspectives right now. Um, let's talk about Leicester and talk about some of the key assets there and hopefully answer these guys' questions on the way, starting with Vardy. Uh, Luke, as the Vardy owner, like when did you get him in and do you think he's a player that managers should be looking at really, really strongly? Yeah, I, I brought him in um, after his hat-trick um, because uh, I had Aguero um, stinking out my team and just absolutely fed up with him being benched and I just much prefer Vardy because he's absolutely nailed in that team and pretty much always plays 90 minutes. Um, they haven't really got a backup. Um, and he just looks, he just, he's so clinical. I mean, so his, his underlying stats are, are never actually that great, but he's so good at finishing. You give him a chance and, and he'll put it away. And it was the same against, um, against Palace at the weekend. Um, such a good finish. Uh, and he, he, since the, uh, since Wagatha Christie, he um, seems to have improved even more, um, seems to be playing even better. So um, Rebecca can get into as many arguments with uh, with Colleen as she wants because it's not going to affect affect uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I think, yeah, I, I, I think he's I think he's a really really good option, and I think at the moment he's he's a better option than Abamian, Kane, um, or Aguero, uh, and for for his price, you can't you can't really complain. And I think I'd be I'm probably going to keep him for the whole season. Um, I think he's, he's just somebody that can that can sit in your team. And I said it at the very start of the season. I think he'll get 20 goals plus this year, and he's he's well on the way. So um, so yeah, he's he'd be the man for me um, from Leicester right now. Um, and I like Madison and, and Tealmans as well. I think I'd lean I'd leaning more towards um, Madison because I think in terms of attacking, he's Everything goes through him, and he's always there or thereabouts. Whereas Tillman's tends to go a little bit more in fits and starts. So we have a few games where we'll, we'll, he'll grab a goal or an assist. Or um, Madison seems more consistent for me. I'm not. I'm not basing that on anything though. So I might be wrong. But um, yeah, for me, Madison just shades it. No, it definitely makes sense. And I think with um, with less with Vardy particularly, I think that's definitely the sentiment that we want to be victims of the conformity and buy that guy in. It's worth noting, actually, over the last four, overperforming their XG by seven. Uh, 14 goals scored, seven expected. All about those red cards, all about them. Um, wow. But yeah. I'm very likely to buy Vardy this week, so I'm hoping this run can continue. I'm hoping that, you know, all these ineffable things like momentum, it's, it's intangible, isn't it? But form is really important. Like The guy the guy barely did anything, did he, against Crystal Palace, but got his goal. And it's against Southampton, it's just the very zenith of what he can do. Obviously, there's the kind of, don't sell Raheem, don't do this, don't do that. But I just feel like... Like it's, it's probably time to do it and the next few are just so good like the next seven games I mean Arsenal is favourite team he's going to absolutely uh, rustle us isn't he uh, after he scores a second goal um, but after that I mean between their uh, game weeks 13 and, and 17 Brighton, Everton, Watford Aston Villa and Norwich um, and three of those uh, five are at home um, I, I think that's that's really really good isn't it I mean even though yeah Vardy isn't the new Aguero he's still going to over the course of that kind of time frame you'll be expecting him to score big in those those games in these 
just captures your choice now. So I'm talking to myself, talking myself into Vardy, of course, but there we go. Um, but be, beside him, you mentioned Madison, you mentioned two of them all. I know that uh, Nick, you, you're a Madison owner, and uh, Tom did ask about them too. I mean, do, are you still convinced Madison's the best option, or are you eyeing up the cheaper T Lamont? So, yeah, I mean, pretty happy with Madison. I'm, I'm not really looking to do like a sideways switch. You know, the guy has um, three returns in, in four games for me. So he, he's doing pretty well, to be honest, in terms of his performances. Um, he, he's a bonus point magnet as well. Um, just, just looks really like dangerous on the ball. He's on all the set pieces, etc. I think... You know, for me, Madison, I'm hoping, I am a bit nervous because I don't own Jamie Vardy and I'm not really planning to to get him in, even though you've tried to encourage me to to make some drastic changes like you have. It's not really in my nature, so I'm probably going to just stick with Madison and hope he can do the business in terms of covering Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy ownership is a bit scary, but, you know, I've seen a lot in terms of Madison's performances. He, he, he does look the part. He definitely fits into that sort of attacking uh, Brendan Rodgers mould um, that sort of developing at the moment in Leicester and I, I feel like um, he, he's certainly a really good pick I think Tiedemann as well um, another really good pick but I think between the two uh, I think Madison would be my preference and I would still say that he's probably worth the additional additional outlay um, also worth mentioning my, my man from the summer Ozzy Perez I think he's starting to emerge perhaps as another uh, pick. You know, he's had a bit of a slow start um, to his Leicester career, as, as was well documented on Twitter. But, um, you know, really starting to uh, look the part now. And uh, I think um, at his price as well could be a, another uh, decent option in the Leicester attack. Yeah, certainly. And you've also got Harvey Bar- Harvey Barnes there at 5.9 as well. But with Demarai Gray there, I'm not too sure about that. I think just on Leicester generally, um, you know, in terms of, uh, I mentioned earlier about tripling up, um, I've got one stat which is very, very good on them. So just to round off the section, City made 54 big chances so far this season. They've scored 23 of them. That's 42% uh, big chance conversion rate. That's, that's a lot of big chances made. Leicester, in contrast, have made just, in inverted commas, 25 and converted 13. So as it stands, Leicester have a higher big chance conversion rate than Man City do. Um, they've also scored the same amount of big chances as Liverpool, uh, 13. And Liverpool have made far more big chances. So, Liverpool, so Leicester have been very very clinical uh, who's the man behind that well Jamie Vardy uh, so uh, I think this uh, bleeds nicely into uh, transfers and captains doesn't it and uh, it's, it's worth kind of uh, just seeing how we're going to be uh, looking at this week because obviously we've got the clash of the titans in uh, Liverpool and Man City taking each other on which I guess rules out a lot of players uh, for captaincy and uh, may, may make plans a little bit more difficult uh, so Luke what, what are you looking to do um, and who's captain going to be a two yeah, I think as I, as I touched on earlier, I'm not not quite sure what to do with Son and Puki. I think, I mean, I've only got the one free transfer because I made two last week and I haven't taken any hits yet this season. And I don't really want to start doing that if I don't have to. Um, and I've only got I've only got TAA in my team at the moment from Liverpool. So I'm not too concerned about that City fixture. I've got Sterling and De Bruyne um, as well. And kind of anything can happen there, can't it? I think it could either be lots of goals or it could be a really cagey one niller. Um, so I'm I'm all right with the three players that I've got. I mean, I think my my other team that I've got on a on a different um, website where you pay to pay to play. It's uh, I've got like six. I've got three City and three Liverpool, which I'm quite concerned about. So I'm glad I haven't got that in my in my main team. Um, so yeah, I need to wait and see what happens with Son. I think. I've, I'll probably transfer him out um, if uh, if the ban is upheld. Um, 
and Vardy's going to be my captain against against Arsenal at home. I think that he, I think he's the best option. I, I like Abraham as well at home to Crystal Palace. But I think Vardy's Vardy's the man at the moment, and um, so it probably means if I captain him that he'll score one point. <laughs> <laughs> Standard, isn't it? Do with Callum Wilson or so. Um, yeah, I think with me, it's, it's a bit of a tough one as as usual. I'm, I'm actually really tempted just to burn the transfer. I just don't know what to do with my team right now. There's, there's nothing um, really obvious to do. Maybe a David Button to McGovern move or something ridiculous. I've, I've got nothing on at all. So, uh, yeah, probably going to burn the transfer. Um, unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you view it and, and I think with the captain I'm pretty set on Tammy Abraham at the moment I, I quite like him as the pick I think he's the guy I'm going to go for for this game week I'm not interested in captaining anyone in the Man City and uh, Liverpool game personally and I, I don't have Jamie Vardy so I think um, Tammy's going to be the man with the armband but um, it's just in terms of which defender to pick and I, I'm just really struggling at the moment 5-2 but like, <laughs> at the moment I'm not playing Soyuncu and I'm, I'm not playing um, Trent Allen Alexander-Arnold and I'm like what, what am I doing am I actually going to play a Sheffield United defender against Spurs um, got to play TAA yeah I know <laughs> so maybe I bench Tamori but then it's like he's got Crystal Palace you know it's really that's going to be the most nailed on clean sheet in my entire team and I really want to play um, Diego Rico as well having benched him three games <laughs> in a row against Newcastle who, who also have a, a poor attacking record so it's just a, it's a really challenging one in terms of who the hell I play in that defence so I think Soyuncu is definitely being benched to be honest I think I know I know Arsenal crap but um, you know they're probably going to nick at least another goal and he's not going to do a repeat <laughs> Now I've said it, he probably will. But um, so I think he's getting benched. But it's just which player to bench out of Lundstrom, Tamori, Trent, and um, the other player that I forgot now, Rico. I don't know if you guys have any any ideas on that one. I'm benching Lundstrom. I think. After twenty one points, <laughs> that's just like the harshest benching ever, mate. Yeah, well, I mean, what, uh... what more can he do? <laughs> Hatrick's the only reason I'll put him in. <laughs> you've got you've got to make these decisions. I mean, I, I benched Tamori uh, last week um, mm, paid against, off, yeah. Watford, against Watford because Chelsea haven't kept a clean sheet away all season, and it proved out to, it proved to be the right decision. But I mean, who knows what what will happen with Spurs? But I I don't think they'll I, I think they'll score against Sheffield United, and um, so. Lundstrom will probably be on the bench. I mean, at the moment, I'm playing Jamal Lascelles at home to at home to Bournemouth because I'd fancy Newcastle to maybe keep a clean sheet there. But it's a, it's a tough decision. I mean, no, no matter what which way you go, it's um, you you could get burned. So I, I wouldn't like to I wouldn't like to advise on that. It's you're in a tricky situation. Yeah, you just don't want all those points on your bench again, do you? No, no, it's, it's inevitable. It's going to be another double-figure haul on the bench, guaranteed. I'm sure Aaron Conley's going to turn up with a brace or something, isn't he, against Manchester United? Yeah. Oh, God, oh God yeah, definitely play Connolly. <laughs> yeah, he'll be even banging him in at Old Trafford, no doubt. <laughs> Oh God, who isn't at this point? Um, yeah, no, it's 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 a tough situation, Nick. I uh, I think you should just flip a coin, basically. I think Suarez on the bench, and beyond that, yeah, he's got to play, hasn't he? So I think maybe looking at it as a who's got to play, even then you're in the grey zone, aren't you, with Rico and Tamori? 
maybe be tempted to play Rico because of the attacking the attacking uh, upside. So it's, it's very very close. Like Newcastle are pretty good defensively actually, and this is the sort of game where I'd be expecting a nil nil because neither of them can attack. But there we go. I'm mean, interested to see which one you go for and kind of the, the most boring selection dilemma ever. I think which defender do I play? Uh, classic Nick there. Right. Uh, so I've got two options this week. Uh, one is leave it, walk away, Tom. Don't be an idiot. Um, the team's in good shape. I can captain Jimenez or captain Abraham. The other one is take a minus four, uh, remove Sterling and Mope and bring in Tielemont and Vardy. Uh, Tielemont's just because Nick doesn't own him, basically. Uh, no other option. Um, no, no other reason uh, behind uh, choosing Tielemont. Uh, but yeah, Vardy in uh, would be the one that I'm really looking at. I'll be selling Sterling. He's on four yellow cards now. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people who say, I told you so. I can't believe this has happened to you. Um, but another way to kind of frame that as a following that, you know, a premium is going to score big at some point in the future well duh it might happen as with Salah last year but I think Vardy's doing well enough and, and the fixtures sort of indicate that move I guess the reason I'm ta- thinking of taking the risk is that following trends is a big part of FPL like uh, timing as well as I mentioned earlier is also a really big part of FPL and it can go completely wrong as, as I found out with uh, Selim Mo last year but I'll never fall in line but I still think that Vardy is a captain option the next seven are great and the cap the cap sort of gamble is that Sterling will at least cut at most match and at worst be better by Vardy I'm hoping that my guy comes out on top I could just leave it in Captain Jimmy um, and there's lots of caution being urged by people like desperately seeking do them. But um, yeah, if a rise happens for Vardy in the next kind of couple of days, I just wouldn't be surprised if I couldn't resist it and brought him in and uh, brought him in and captained him for a minus four, which is a bit weird. I'm, I'm bringing in two players against my own team, but it is Arsenal and it's going to be a really easy win for Leicester, isn't it? Let's be fair. Right. Okay. Uh, that's a lot this week. Thanks for listening as always. Um, just to say who we are again, we are Who Got Your Sister. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find me at WGTA underscore Nick. And you can find Luke as well if you want to follow him at Luke Jerdy on Twitter. Uh, Luke, thanks for coming on the pod. Um, real pleasure to have you on uh, this game week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, great to uh, see you both. In the flesh, via <laughs> 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 webcam. Uh, so yeah, great. Thank, thanks so much for having me. And um, I think Tom, you're going to be coming on Triple Captain, aren't you? In the next, is it 10th of December? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely will be. So, um, that that would be great to have you on. And yeah, we're we're at Triple Captain Three across yeah. social media. So um, give us a follow and and uh, and a listen. Awesome. All right. And hope you see you in person, Luke, on uh, December the 13th. There's a couple of other things. Our league is E-I-K-X-0-3. There's a theme every week as well. Last week it was the stroke. So well done uh, to those who got that. So we're back next week as normal as uh, the International Snooze Fest looms once more. Uh, but in the meantime, hope to see you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Excellent. That's really good. Well in, boys. Thanks very much for having me. No worries. Oh, Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.